Well, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Monster McKinney. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here. And uh, just like Pastor Nick said, uh, each and every weekend is someone's first time. That's a big deal to us. And so if myself or Wendy haven't had an opportunity to meet you, we look forward to meeting you after service. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we are going to, I'm going to speak a message that really ties to Let's Talk Family. And it kind of wraps up what we've been looking at over the last few weeks about this particular uh, topic called family. We all have a family. We're all part of a family. Uh, we, depending on the season of life and where you're at, you, you have a family. And maybe you've got one child, two children. Maybe you're newly married. Maybe you're engaged. Uh, maybe, you know, the marriage you were in. It didn't work out. You had some challenges within your life and within your marriage. And you're looking and going, God, I want to start new. I want to start fresh. We all are at a different place. And as I think about this series, it's been so good. I know for Wendy and myself, our family, I think about all the people I've spoken with, how it's had such an impact. But here's one thing I know, that when you think about and and you listen to messages like this and you listen to a series like this, there can be a lot of pressure. You start looking and evaluating, recognizing, man, I, I, these are all well and good, and I like it, and I'm into it, but you can feel like I'm so far from what I hear them talking about. I'm so far. Can I tell you, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. I know you're thinking, well, Pastor Chris, you don't know my story. You don't know my situation. You don't know where I'm at, and you're right. I may not. But here's what I do know, these principles, and I want to encourage you, go back and listen to the messages if you have missed a few of them or hadn't had an opportunity to hear any of them. Go back and listen to the messages because the principles of God's Word, that's what we're doing. It's not about a bunch of self-help and and, and tricks and tips to be able to, to improve your marriage. Five keys to have a better, perfect family. That's not the goal. Because if you know, and Pastor Jed talked about it last week, there are no perfect families. And you look in the Bible... There were a lot of families that were certainly not perfect. In fact, hopefully, if you listen to last week's message, you feel really encouraged because there were some messed up families in the Bible, okay? You know, he started just with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. You know, it's like a one-to-one ratio, already had murder. You have any siblings killing one another? Okay, then you're doing great, all right? The first family, that was their track record, all right? So I want to just take the pressure off. Just take steps. It's not about perfection. It's just about progress, And I want to encourage you that as we lean in, and I just kind of, I'm going to land the plane for this series before we get into our next series called Magnify. And I want to talk about something that really impacts every relationship you have when it comes to family. And really, it is one of the key things that if you'll lean in, it's it's simple but not easy. If you'll lean in, you'll start to see some change in your marriages, with your kids, in your family, with your parents, with your uh, siblings, whatever it may be. I want you to open up your Bible. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Uh, I'm going to get there in just a minute. But, you know, I think about these two things that I I really, as I look back on these messages, they're so vital. These two things that I'm about to share with you, they're so vital to healthy relationship within the context of family. I, I think of them in this context, I think of them like a thermostat. You ever walked into a, uh, an environment or a room, maybe you walked into your own home, and it's like you walk in all of a sudden, it's real hot, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa something's not right. Go check the AC. Where's it at? It's on. It says it's set to 70, and it feels like 85 degrees in there. You're like, something's wrong, right? Something's not right. So when the thermostat isn't working, you know it. When the thing that regulates where the temperature should be, you know it. 
these two things right here that I'm about to share with you are things that I think really help regulate the temperature of your home. And it's humility and honor. How do you have humility and honor in your home? How do you have humility and honor in the way that you interact? Now you're hearing that and you're going, okay, humility and honor. You're like, ah, I like that. My wife should be more humble. My husband should be more humble. They need to honor. And the man will be like, yeah, they need to honor me more. No, no, no. Yeah, okay, now slow down now. We got a long way to go. I'm just getting this message started. Hold up. I'm going to help you out, all right? Humility and honor is key. It's important. But I think there's something when you hear humility and honor, you're like, I'm into that. I want that in my family. I want that in my marriage. I want that with my kids. So we want those things. But there's a hurdle that we come to. And it's this. It's very similar to Amazon Prime. Any of you Prime members in here? I mean, some of you, I know some of you, I, there's folk in my neighborhood, they are solid Prime members. I mean, I drive by, I got like eight packages there, you know what I mean? It's like everything, it's like order, 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 order. But you think about it, it's so important, you think about the significance of Amazon Prime. Like yesterday, I had something that broke, I needed it, and I needed it that day, so I guess what I do? I'm not leaving the house and going down the street, I get on Amazon, and I'm like, what can I get? And I picked the specific item that I needed, because it didn't just have two-day delivery, it didn't have next-day delivery, it had same-day delivery. Now, it said, if you spend $15 more, you know, you can get, you know, same-day delivery free. I'm like, but it also says I can pay $3 for same-day delivery I'm not real good at math, but I think I'm going to go with the $3 option. I said, it's well worth $3. I need that. And look, I'm out and about yesterday. I get a little notification. Your delivery has arrived. I'm like, man, I'm powerful. I love it. We love Amazon and the ability to determine the speed at which things are delivered. Now, consequently, when the delivery system is off, things aren't going well. Things can go really good or really bad depending on the delivery system. Well, God has a delivery system for honor and for humility. It's called communication. But that's what becomes hard. Because communication isn't easy. It, 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 it takes work and it's challenging. But this is what we have to realize. This is why it's so important. Humility is the principle. We want that in our home. Honor is the practice. We want humility and honor in our home. But here's the thing. Communication is the process. It's the delivery system. It's not just what you say, but how you say it. You know what I mean? It's not, hey, hey, I've shared the story often. Wendy and I, we're married about five years into marriage. And look, she's real passionate and, you know, expressive. And I'm like, she's she telling me something. She got all these. I'm like, are we dancing? What are we, what are we doing? You know, snap and this and that. And I said, time out now, look. I got no problem admitting 98.9% of the time you're right, but 98.9% of the time you're wrong in how you tell me what you're right about. We got to work on this, okay? We got we to dial this in. It's really challenging. But it's the delivery system. And I got to tell you, walking with people, pastoring people, counseling people, this right here, communication is one of the biggest challenges when it comes to to relationship, when it comes to marriage, when it comes in the family, it's one of the biggest hurdles that we have. And here's why. Because communication is a skill that we need to develop. It's a skill we have to develop. We have to work on it. We have to be intentional about it. 
when I sit with people, when Wendy and I may sit with couples, it's like they don't hear me. They don't understand. They don't know where I'm coming from. I, I was reminded of this last night. Communication and the significance and the importance of it. I, I'm sitting there last night and, and you know, because communication, it's a skill. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if you have like preteens and like 10, 8-year-olds, I mean, it just, it, it just throw, if you wrestle at any level of insecurity, those kids are going to take care of it. Because they're going to tell you stuff about yourself you don't want to hear. And most of the time, they're not worried about the delivery system. They're just going to say it, right? I had this moment last night. We're sitting there. I've got the girls. They need to go to bed. I'm praying for them. And he's just, God, thank you for my little girl. I'm just praying, right? And my 12-year-old, she's standing behind me. I get done in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, they like to, like, amen. They like to close my nose when I say amen. We're real spiritual in our home, you know. So when I say amen, that's what it sounds like when we get done praying. And all of a sudden, my 12-year-old, she's standing behind me. She said, Dad, she said, it's getting a little thin back here. And she starts rubbing on the back of my head. I said, hold on now. And then, uh, then they gang up on me. All the, all the, and then they're like on me. They're like climbing on me. They're like going in my hair. Just, oh, my goodness. You know, and they're like right up here. Like, look, it's getting thin. And like, no, that's his hairline. It's a receding hairline. I'm like, I feel real powerful about myself, right? You know, they just, I'm like, y'all get to bed, right? Like, I, but here's communication, right? What are they saying? They're simply just making an observation. They're not worried about how, the, how it was delivered. They're like, hey, Dad, getting a little thin. But let me tell you what I heard. You're going bald. I'm like, babe, I come in the bedroom, shave it off. We're done. It's over. You know, I'm, it's over. But that's what happens in communication. It's not just what we say. It's what they hear. And so it's challenging because communication is something that takes intentionality. And what happens is you sit with someone, you hear what I'm saying, you're like, yeah, yeah, I get that. Communication is important in relationships. And we've been working on that. We've been doing this. And we've been doing that. And we, but can I tell you, communication is more than the doing. Communication is about being. It has to come from inside of you. If you're just going through the motions and you're just having the conversation and you're doing all the things and you're trying to do the active listening and all the tips and tricks, but you're not actually fully engaged, your spouse will know it. Your kids will know it. The person you're trying to communicate to, they'll pick up on it. And it's really challenging. And so here's why it's hard. Because if you're going to really communicate and you're going to do it with all of your being, it takes a lot of emotional energy. It's exhausting. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to be like, oh, it's fun. You're going to love. It's going to be work. And it's going to take energy. But communication is so critical because it gives us a picture of our hearts. That's the challenging part about it. It shows us where we're really at. If you don't communicate, your emotions don't go away. They just go unresolved. And what begins to happen is in most marriages, it's not the big issue that causes the blow up. That happens at times. It's the little things that were never resolved and never communicated. I've shared this with you. I think Pastor Jeff even shared it earlier, uh, earlier in the series. But researchers have shown this. Two overwhelming truths when it comes to marriages and relationships. Not more than 99% of spouses care deeply for each other. That was one of the things they pulled out. Now, I don't know who the other 1% or 0.5% is, you know, that aren't, they don't genuinely care about the spouse. That's a whole other message and a whole other time, right? But 99% genuinely care about their spouse. Yet, in 82% of unhappy marriages, one partner 
doesn't realize the other partner is unhappy. Why? Lack of communication. It's just hard. It's hard to like, let's be honest about where we're really at. How we really feel. And so what we do is we go, I'm just going to tough it out. And can I tell you, a lot of times, those that have a foundation in your relationship with Jesus, you've been in and around church, you're like, divorce, never, we're not going to do that. Sometimes those are the families that have the worst communication. Because it's really your pride to either, one, not have the honest conversation, or your pride that goes, I'm not going to be one of those statistics and get a divorce. And so you just muscle it out. And can I tell you, it impacts your kids. They know it. And when they get older and they start having grandkids, they start having kids and it's your grandkids, they're going to go, less of that in your environment because they will see the unhealth. I'm just telling you, you have to have the conversation. You have to begin to work through those things and talk through it because it's not going to just go away. And I know what you may be thinking. Well, Pastor Chris, I'm just not going to. I talked to a guy in between services. I said, man, that was so good, Pastor Chris. Thank you. You know me. I'm just not good at communication. I said, but you'll get better. He just grinned at me in big eyes and said, we, it, that's what you have to do. We can get better at this. We can learn to grow in this area, but it's going to take time. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 4. And Ephesians chapter 4 is one of the best scriptures, this section of scripture that we're going to read, and starting in verse 29, on what it looks like to have healthy communication. And when you think about it, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And Ephesians 5 is really a chapter that has so much to do with marriage. There's so much in there and family and marriage and how to interact with one another. And and oftentimes when I'm officiating a, a wedding, I will go to Ephesians 5 and I'll share and preach out of that text. But you have Ephesians 4 that's right before that that sets it up and kind of gives the how. We should be living out Ephesians 5. And this is where we look at Ephesians 4, verse 29. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So what's he saying? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only the things that are beneficial. It's a pretty clear pattern that the Apostle Paul gives, right? It's building others up. It's what are their needs. How does it benefit them? So now I'm not having an honest conversation because I want to let Wendy know what she's doing wrong and how she needs to grow. No, no, no. I'm having an honest conversation not so she stops doing the things that frustrate me or aggravate me. I'm having an honest conversation because I want what's best for her. That's a different motivator. That's a different motivator behind why we do what we do. You see, there, there, there are moments where you go, no, 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 I'm not going to have any unwholesome talk. I'm going to have talk that is preferential. I prefer the other person, and I want what's best for them. Verse 30 goes on and says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, I want to pause a minute. It's unique because he's not just simply giving a theological context about the Holy Spirit, and he's not giving an expression of what is the Holy Spirit and what is an expression of the Holy Spirit look like. What he's talking about is the person of the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying is when you are hurtful to someone else, you're not just hurting the individual, you're also hurting God. He's impacted by that. Jesus said what? They will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. So the way we treat, respond, communicate with one another 
has a significant impact. Verse 31 and 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's the source. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness come from staying rooted in what God did for us through Jesus. And Pastor Jed shared last week about forgiveness. It's so good. I want, I want to encourage you, go online, go back and listen to it. A gentleman that was visiting last week, Tommy, is a parents of a, of a family in the church said, six decades of listening to messages on forgiveness, it was the best one I've ever heard. I'm just telling you, it's so significant. When you look at verse 31, I want you to look. It's something so unique that's happening here because you can read that and just skip over it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You're going, well, that seems obvious. Yet it's right here in the middle of this context of how we should communicate with one another. Do you know why? Because it's very easy to go there. And it may not be external because you're smart enough or wise enough or you made that mistake once before, but it's internal. And it's only a matter of time that what's in you is going to come out of you because out of the mouth flows the abundance of the heart. Okay? What's in there will come out of you. It will come out of you. And so if I could summarize all this, this is what I want to give you. If I could summarize this section of scripture for you, I would say this. Healthy communication is intentional, it's vulnerable, and it's life-giving. It's intentional. You have to intentionally set aside time to have good communication, to work on it, to lean into it, to prioritize. I have to learn what is Wendy's love language. How does she communicate love? How does she receive love? How do I engage with her on that? You have to be intentional. But sometimes we hit a roadblock because all of a sudden we're not seeing eye to eye in communication. And I'm going, I love you. I love you. I love you. And she's going, I feel like you just don't love me. I'm like, I literally said I love you a hundred times. But you won't sit on the couch with me and hold my hand and let's talk. Like, that don't sound like love to me. That sounds terrible. Let's go do something like can I hold your hand while we're doing something? Like, but guess what? I have to be intentional. It's not about me. It's about how do I communicate love to the gift that God gave me? Because the greatest gift next to Jesus and the Holy Spirit God ever gave me is my wife sitting right over there. And the same is true for all of us that are married. I have to be intentional with your kids. Just watch. Look, if you're not careful and your kids will pick up on this, if there's a child that you have similar interests in, you will naturally gravitate to that child because it's easier. You don't have to be intentional. You can just connect with them because you have common interests. So you have to go above and beyond to connect. Now, God must have known I really got to work on this because he gave me three girls. I'm the oldest of three boys. I wasn't even raised with sisters. So, like, play with your hair and dolls and, like, you know, I'm like, let's go work out. Let me teach you how to work out. You want to shoot a gun? Let's go shoot a gun. Now, they may like that stuff. They may not. But at the end of the day, I need to connect with them the way they need to be connected to. It's intentional. You got to be intentional about it, but it's vulnerable also. How am I going to let down my guard? You see, we don't like vulnerability. We don't like the way it feels. Men, you don't like being vulnerable. You're like, I, I see it. I'll I talk to you. I talk to you about it all the time. You're like, I don't know, Pastor Chris. Like, all of a sudden, we're doing good. And then she started crying. 
And when she started crying, I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to do. And then you're just like, whatever I got to say and do, so she stops crying. I just don't know what to do. And they start crying. I just feel like, get over it, bro. And just have the conversation. You got to recognize it's vulnerability. We don't like being vulnerable. We don't know what to do with that. And so we back away. And we're like, how do I just, how do I just minimize that? Ladies, you've been vulnerable before. Previous relationships or with family or maybe even with your spouse. And you tried to put yourself out there and communicate. And it didn't go well. And you got hurt. And it was challenging. And so you've said, okay, well, I'm just going to pull back. It's intentional. It's vulnerable. But it's life-giving. It's the words that you speak. It's the way in which you speak. But here is the challenge. And I'm going to give you some practical stuff when it comes to this in just a minute. But the reason communication is so hard, I think you're hearing me and you're going, well, yeah, that makes sense. I want to communicate well. Here is the biggest challenge with communication. Here's the biggest hurdle. You ready? I'm going to give it to you. Here's why it is so hard and we push back against communication. Here's why. Because every time you communicate, you will always have conflict. Always. Now, I'm going to explain to you the difference between chaos and conflict in a little bit. But every time you communicate, you're going to have conflict because you may not see eye to eye. Think about it. Just in the marriage context, relationship context, two people, two different backgrounds, two different experiences, two different preferences, two different styles and ways of doing things coming together and the two will become one? You take that principle, that context in any other environment, and it sounds like a disaster. It's a disaster. And yet God's going, I think this would be a good idea. Let's have them live together. And then let's have them make little humans that take the best and the worst of each of them and put them together. And while they're trying to figure it out, they're going to try and figure out how to make sure those little ones live and survive. And they don't kill each other or kill them. Or the kids kill them. Or all of it. Yet, God says, no, 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 I'm going to use it. And it's going to be the context, but conflict becomes hard. You see, this is the big misconception. We think if it's hard and it's work, then maybe we're doing something wrong. We just don't connect. Like we have to work so hard to like communicate and connect, so maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe we shouldn't be together. No, 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 no. That's the fallacy. Anything that is of any value takes work. And perhaps it takes work because you're willing to go in and go, I'm, the minute you stop feeling the work is the minute one of you has begun to pull back and detach. It's good that there's work. It's good that you're fit because you know what you're doing? You're still committed to going, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to give you some practical ways in how to figure it out how to communicate healthy, how to work those things out. But that's what happens. We push at one another and we think, well, we have to work at it. So then we pull back and we miss, the misconception is because it's work, it's wrong. No, 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 no. It's work because it's worth it. And you're going to prefer one another and you're going to learn one another and you're going to honor one another because you're saying, hey, I want healthy communication. So I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to be life-giving. So what does that look like practically? How, how do we do that? How do we navigate through this communication and this conflict? I'm going to give you four real practical things. Things you can start doing today. If you'll be intentional, vulnerable, and life-giving, you start doing it today. Here's the first thing. First key to healthy communication is start the conversation with God and process with God 
first. You need his perspective. If you don't open up with God, get his perspective first, then you will default to the pattern of the garden when sin came in. And you will line up and dial into your own coping mechanism. Which could be, maybe, maybe you're like me. Drive forward. Ah, it's going to be fine. Come on, I'll just drag you along. We'll figure it out. It's no big deal. I got it. Okay, that's not going to work. Maybe, maybe it's passive aggressive. Maybe it's physically present but emotionally disengaged. Maybe it's a silent treatment. There's a book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. The premise of the book is this. Essentially, when there's a circumstance or a situation, what's your blink? What's your first initial thought on that particular thing? And and I ask people all the time after, like, we'll we'll have a a circumstance or a situation. I'm like, hey, what's your blink on that? What's your initial thought? And in there, he talks about these two professors from Washington, University of Washington. There's a married couple, John and Julie Gottman, and they created something called the Love Lab. Gladwell was fascinated with them, and I've shared this with you before, but I, I thought in light of what we're talking about, communication and conflict, so important to share again. He was fascinated with them because in their blink, they could determine with almost 99% probability whether or not a couple would stay together. It at first took them about 15 minutes, but they could do it in about 90 seconds. Having conversation, asking particular questions, and being able to determine that based on the answers they gave, if they chose one of these three areas, they could determine whether or not this marriage was going to last. And this is what they found, that there were three responses in the family when there's conflict and bad communication. Here's what the three were. First is this, turn away. You turn away. Your response is when things aren't going well, communication isn't good, there's conflict, you turn away. It's passive disengagement. Someone does something that frustrates us or hurts us and we turn away from them. Maybe we give them the silent treatment. We want to talk to them about it, but it's going to take a lot of emotional energy. And so we wait until they own it and bring it up, which then they never do. And then we're mad at them for not bringing it up. They're not just going to magically figure it out. This is the most common response because it's the breeding ground of offense and bitterness. It takes energy to own up to what you can own and to engage. So we do, most of us, Passive disengagement. Ask yourself, what are the things and challenges, hurdles, roadblocks, frustrations, whatever you want to call it, in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids that you keep shying away from and you're just waiting for the other person to bring it up? They're not going to do it. And it's a breeding ground for bitterness and offense. You have to have the conversation. Here's a second response that happens in families. You turn against which is direct conflict. So you turn away, it's passive disengagement. You, you turn against, which is direct conflict, right? This isn't as common as the first, but people can operate this way. If someone comes at you, you're gonna go at them, okay? I'm the oldest of three boys, Wendy was the oldest of three girls. Can I tell you, this was our engagement. It's like, oh, you okay, we're gonna go? All right, we're gonna go, let's go. Look, we're gonna talk this out, let's go. I'm, no, I'm right, no, I'm right, no, I'm right, no, I'm right. I mean, it's like, okay, who's right then? You want to arm wrestle? I mean, it's like, what, what are we going to do? It's like, where, what do we got from there? And none of us would, you know, concede. We're just going like, you know, it's like people say, we just agree to disagree. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. You, all you're doing is avoiding the issue and saying, I'm not willing to not go to the mat and wrestle to win. To go to the couch 
and have a conversation and hear where you're coming from and be intentional and be vulnerable and be life-giving and let me hear where you're coming from and let me hear where you're coming from and let's work it out. So, so you either turn away, you turn against, or here's the third. And these were the couples that made it. Turn towards. It's genuine engagement. Can I tell you where turn towards is rooted? It's rooted in going to God first. Because the solution you need to your problem is not your spouse figuring it out and stop doing what they've been doing. It's not your child. It's not any of those things. It's you going to God. And the breakthrough you need is not in the other person. It's in yourself. And when you go to God, here's what I found. Every time I go to God to talk about somebody else, you know what inevitably he does? He talks to me about me. And the question then becomes, am I going to do what he's telling me? Am I going to walk in obedience? Am I going to walk in humility? Am I going to come and I'm going to genuinely turn towards and go, I want to be intentional, I want to be vulnerable, and I want to be life-giving? That's the question. So, if you're going to have healthy communication, first and foremost, go to God, process with Him first. Here's the second. Establish clear boundaries and create a safe space for healthy communication. Okay, it's understanding when do we talk? What, what do we talk about? What's off limits, okay? What, what are we not going to throw? We're going we're gonna to communicate, fight if you would. Fight fair. We're going to communicate fair, okay? We're not going to go there. These are like, all, like we're not going to, these are off limits, right? So you're not going to be like, well, you always and you never, or you're just like your mom. Don't do that one. Made that mistake early on. I'm like, hey, okay, babe. Note to self, okay, I, mean, I don't know, I may not make it out of here alive. Don't go there. Just a little help, husbands, if you haven't already made that mistake, don't do it, okay? Don't throw that out there. Well, what is a safe place? You know, it, it's recognizing what's my timing and my tone. Most of the time when there's fractures in communication, we'd help ourselves a lot if we had better timing and better tone. We end up hurting ourselves because we have bad timing and bad tone in what we're trying to communicate about. Learn this. I, I want you to think about this. Maybe you've heard this before. Have non-conflict communication. Here's what I mean. There's an issue that comes up. You may need to talk about it and do your best to resolve it, but there's probably a principle surrounding that practical issue. Get out of the heat of the moment, be intentional about it, be vulnerable, and then later on in that week, go have coffee with your spouse or when you're sitting at the kitchen table and in the moment where it's not conflict, communicate about it. The challenge is most of the time we try and resolve. If you're like me, I'm like, oh, that came up. Are we gonna, and I'm going to push, push, push. We're going to resolve this issue. And Wendy's like, no, 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 give me a minute. I'm going to go, no, 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 we're going to figure it out. No, 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 give me a minute. What happens there? Nothing gets resolved. And we just push each other farther away. Non-conflict communication. And what you have to do is realize, listen, when you begin to do this, there's going to come times where you're going to hit an impasse. You're not going to see where the other person is coming from. Who is the leaders, the pastors, the mentors, the small group leaders in your life that are on your family side? It's not team on team. It's not one-on-one. -on -one. It's they're on, look, Team Lerma. I know if we're not seeing eye to eye, it's like we're calling Pastor Jeff. Maybe And Brandy, maybe we call Pastor JP or Ginger. Because at this point, we're not seeing eye to eye. We're not understanding where each other's coming from. And it can happen even after 21 years of marriage. It can still happen. 
You go, okay, got to make a phone call. We need someone to help us see what we don't see. Create clear boundaries and a safe space. Do the same for your kids. You have to make it a safe place to be honest without fear of punishment. You want to be able to, hey, I want you to talk. Your kids, I'm telling you, they're going to ask somebody about whatever it is they're thinking, wrestling with, or doing. You want it to be you. And mom and dad, if you make it all about, you better do this, and it better look like that, and you go da 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 and you, 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 I get the whole, uh, you know, you represent the Lerma name when you go out, and da-da-da. Okay. Be respectful, be honorable, be aware, but you want to create an avenue where when that child is thinking, wrestling with something, needing an answer, want, you want to create a safe place for them to come. Doesn't mean there's not consequences, but you want to create an avenue for that. So create clear boundaries, okay? Here's the third thing. Appreciate your differences and seek to understand before you respond or react. Now, this is the one I've really had to work on. One, because I can react, but two, appreciating our differences. You want to talk about different? Wendy and I are like, I'm like, God, you, I'm glad you knew what you were doing when you put us together. I mean, we're like totally, to- but I'm so grateful. Because God knew exactly what I needed. Uh, He knew exactly what I needed and exactly what would compliment me and vice versa, how I would compliment her. But you have to learn to appreciate those things and seek to understand. Help me to understand where you're coming from before you respond or react. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You see, it's easy to let words fly around. It's easy to just react. It's easy to be reckless. And when you are, you hurt people with your words. Can I tell you two things you'll never get back? Time and words. And what happens is when you don't have a safe place and you don't have boundaries and then you just react and you let your words fly, now you've broken trust. Someone's hurt, they're wounded, and you're going to have to be intentional about going back to mend that. I mean, there's even in this context of understanding the difference between men and women, there's so much science behind this even. Neuroscientists and communication pathologists have often discussed and deliberated how biological differences between men and women determine how they listen. So stop and listen. Help me to understand. I'll give you some examples. Women listen to show support. Facial expressions change consistently. So, man, when you're talking to your wife and you're wondering, why is she making that face? Does she have too much caffeine? What's going on? She's just engaged in what you're saying. And it's being expressed right here. But wives, here's what I want you to know. Men listen to get information. So they stare off into space. What did she say? Okay, she said that. That's going to cost how much? All right, I need to move some money around here. This or that. Okay? So you think he's not listening. He's trying to solve the problem. You think she's mad at you and she's just really dialed into what you're saying and it's just showing on her face, okay? Women, she says, listen to me, I want to be understood. He hears, ladies, fix the problem. He communicates like pickleball. I'm going to hit it to you, you hit it back. I'm going to hit it to you, you hit it back. I hit it back, I win. The goal is to win. Women don't communicate like that. They communicate like a boat ride. You got that brother on the back of the gondola, you know, and, he, and you're just kind of going around, just kind of, we're going to go this way. Not the most efficient. We're going to look at this, and we're going to talk about that, and oh my gosh, look over there, and, that's, and you're like, 
we're supposed to go right there. Can we just go in a straight line? Like, let's just, just solve the problem. She's like, no, 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 no. This is awesome. Wildflowers. And wow. I'm like, weeds. And let's go. I'm picking up on the hints when he's telling me. She's like, it's such a beautiful day. I want to go to this wildflower thing in McKinney they have. And I'm like, we've yet to go. But we're going to end up there at some point. I'm going to get eaten alive by mosquitoes. And I'm going to love it because I'm with her. Appreciate. you got to appreciate. And this goes back to the chaos and conflict. Here's what I want you to get. Chaos and conflict. Sometimes what we think is conflict isn't conflict at all. It's chaos. That's why we push away from it. Here's the difference. Chaos, there's no rules. There's no end goal objective. It's every man for themselves, and that's why it feels like a war zone. Conflict, you both have committed to submit to a higher vision and value. Hey, here's what we want. I see it one way, you see it another. We're going to work because the end goal is oneness. The end goal is this value for our family. So we're going to work and we're going to keep having a conversation until we get there. Now, if we hit an impasse, guess what? We have people in our life, so we need someone to come and speak into this to help us see what we don't see. That's the difference. But oftentimes what we think is conflict isn't conflict at all. That's why we push away from it. It's chaos. It's every person for themselves. You're not understanding where the other person's coming from. You're not being intentional. You're not being vulnerable. You're not being life-giving. And you wonder why is the other person responding the way they are? Because it's chaotic. And no one wants chaos. God doesn't want chaos. He's a God of order. And he longs for you to be able to navigate the conflict in a healthy way. Because when you do... The navigation of that conflict will bring a greater measure of intimacy in your relationships, in your marriage, and with your kids. But you're going to have to lean into it. Here's the last thing, and then I'm going to pray for you. Take small steps daily, and don't underestimate the power of an encouraging word or moment. If you want healthy communication daily, just take small steps. Be encouraging in your words. Shoot an encouraging text. Now, again, that's all great, but use your words. Don't let, don't, just don't default to text. You're awesome, okay? Let them hear you say that, too. Not just receive a text and an emoji, okay? Tell them. Tell them with your words. Small steps can lead to significant moments. You're going to have to prioritize it. Prioritize it with your kids. Have date days and date nights with your kiddos and spend just one-on-one time with them. If you've got more than one child, get to know them intentionally. Find out what they're into and be into that. Don't just simply bring them along on what you're into. Get to know them. Intentional times where you can emotionally connect with your spouse. And for some of you, you're more natural at it. I've had to work at it. Can I tell you, on my phone, I have a calendar reminder. It's been there for 15 years. Every Monday at 8 a.m., it says, Act of Love and Devotion. What am I doing? I'm reminding myself I want to have an intentional moment. Now that I have three girls, that was before I had three girls. Now, now it's translated into my girls as well. I want an intentional moment where I'm going to intentionally communicate love to her the way she receives love. Now, I don't say that because you're like, oh, wow. He pri-. I said that because I need help prioritizing it. I need to remind myself. You may, it may be more natural to you, but I want to encourage you. If you will take small steps, it will bring significant impact. I want to pray for you today. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and and bow your head. You think about the significance and the importance of this. I'm reminded of the words. I'm going to speak this over you. Proverbs 18, 21. 
It says the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Communication and conflict, we have serious challenges with it. It can be hard. My prayer is that you have a better understanding of it. You're, you're encouraged by what I shared with you today, but you're also equipped with some practical things to know how to grow in it. Let there be life, not death, that comes out of your mouth. And if you're not intentional about speaking life, can I tell you, by default, if you just choose to say nothing, it will breed death. Be intentional. Be vulnerable. Be life-giving. Maybe you're in here today and, and the conflict that you've been experiencing, Proverbs says that when we rage on the outside, it's because there's raging and turmoil on the inside. Perhaps that turmoil is there because you've yet to find a moment to fully surrender to God. Maybe you've been in and around church. You've heard God's word before. You've, you enjoy the worship music, but have you ever had that moment where you first fully surrendered to Jesus? If you know when you have a headache and you know when you have a stomach ache, you know when that moment was. And if you don't know when that moment was where you said, I'm fully surrendering my life to Christ and I want him to be the Lord and Savior, today can be that day. As you're seated there, just simply pray this prayer with me. It's not about the words I'm saying. Really, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So it's more about, it's more about the decision you're making internally to surrender your life to Christ. But just to yourself, you can pray this along with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin, my guilt, and my shame. And I thank you that you make me new. I thank you that I can have victory in you. That I don't have to try and figure it out and make it happen on my own. But as I surrender my life to you today and I allow you to be my Lord and Savior, I can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that from this day forward, God is my Father. Jesus, you are my Savior heaven is my home. In Jesus' name.